the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. Today will be a special session regarding a holiday many Christians seem in a quandary to discuss or address, that being Halloween. Now, you may respond with, Halloween's not in the Bible, Pastor Tom. You may even whip out Deuteronomy 18 or Ephesians 6 to counter that Halloween's linked to the occult and anti-Christian practices, even go to great lengths explaining our modern-day expressions originated in the magic arts. You might even think, what could a word from the word possibly teach us on a topic that's not really in the Bible? Well, friends, today's session is Halloween's coming, so what's a Christian to do? And today's session, along with any sessions on this program, may be accessed at faithtalk1360.com. Just search for local program podcasts. Friends, two scripture passages that are relevant to this topic are Ephesians 5, 15, and 16, and Luke 7, 31 through 35. And I assure you, I'm not cherry-picking these texts or wrenching them out of their contexts. Paul in Ephesians 5, 8 through 14, these seven verses preceding the verses we're highlighting, says to the church in Ephesus, You were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it's said, and Paul now quotes Isaiah 60, acknowledging its messianic significance, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Messiah will shine on you. And now verses 15 and 16, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, 
making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In our companion passage in Luke, right before verses 31 through 35, Jesus has just bragged on John the Baptist, and the Pharisees and so-called experts in the law have rejected God's purpose for themselves and are wary of John the Baptist. So in verse 31, Jesus says, To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other, We played the pipe for you, and you didn't dance. We sang a dirge, and you didn't cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread or drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners." But wisdom is proved right or vindicated by all her children. Friends, can't you just imagine Jesus thinking, damned if I do, damned if I don't. As a pastor, I've felt that way. At times I've wanted to blurt out in frustration, damned if I do, damned if I don't. Perhaps you've even felt this way about Halloween. Maybe you wish this holiday would just go away and leave you alone. I imagine your heartbeats elevating, your brows sweating, and envision the mental gymnastics you're going through as Halloween is near. It's kind of like the Edgar Allan Poe story, A Telltale Heart, where the main character hears the supposed heartbeat of the person he just murdered shouting out from under the floorboards. That heartbeat just won't go away. Honestly, friends, I can sympathize with you if you have mixed feelings. Halloween is that holiday that just won't go away. So the ultimate question we must ask ourselves is, what's a Christian to do? Generally, Christians of all stripes tend to respond to Halloween in three ways. Let's call them door number one, door number two, and door number three. Door number one, Christians avoid the festivities completely, like the plague. I know Christians whose annual ritual is to turn off all their lights, close all the blinds and curtains, and sit in the dark until all those sinners pass them by, thinking no one's home. Door number two, Christians take the middle-of-the-road approach. This has become the most accepted and most popular practice among evangelicals. It has birthed the Harvest Festival, Harvest Celebration, or similar. It's also given rise to the now-famous trunk-or-treat phenomenon in church parking lots. Door number two, Christians validate this approach under the rubric of providing a healthy and fun alternative to the pagan practice or providing a safe haven and supervision for the distribution and consumption of candy or giving kids an opportunity to dress up in morally acceptable costumes as opposed to their pagan and sometimes occultic counterparts. Then there's door number three Christians who take the position that most families don't have a clue as to the pagan or cultural origins and influences of the various practices, and that kids are primarily in it for the candy. Imagine, friends, one day each year you can grab all the free candy you've ever dreamed of and have fun doing it. For these folks, their kids are in it for the fun. Now, friends, it's not my intent to a today's session to overwhelm you with a litany of the pagan 
pagan religious and cultural histories of Halloween, or Samhain, as the Druids called it. If you're interested, search the Internet. There are also numerous Christian publications available. I'll share a brief list of helpful resources at the close of our program. I recommend we put on our discernment cap and weigh the three approaches I shared. For many, it's an evolutionary process. We should develop our own convictions and allow others theirs in love. And friends, here are some fun facts so you can wow your friends. Did you know from a marketing standpoint, Halloween is now the second most popular event after Christmas? Americans spend over $4.9 billion on candy and related paraphernalia annually. That averages out to $59 per person. Halloween is also turned into the second or third biggest party night of the year, depending on who's counting, behind New Year's Eve and Super Bowl Sunday. Hallmark now makes over 300 Halloween cards. And guess who's driving the modern growth of Halloween? 18 to 24-year-olds. In one survey of 8,000 adults, two-thirds pass out candy and 50% decorate their yards. Friends, Halloween has also come to be known as National Magic Day, spawning National Magic Week, celebrated every October 25th through 31st. The average workplace has even embraced Halloween. More than a third of U.S. businesses offer some sort of Halloween celebration. Friends, this motivates us to recall today's session title question. So what's a Christian to do? Well, curiously, in Revelation 5, we find this statement referring to the 24 elders singing a new song. You, Jesus, deserve to take the scroll and open the seals on it because you were slaughtered. You bought people with your blood to be God's own. They are from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You made them a kingdom of priests for our God. Friends, there's a single word encrypted in this passage that captures the essence of the main theme of our Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. If you were to guess this word, what would it be? You might make several good choices like salvation, regeneration, restoration, even justification. But all these words actually fit nicely under the umbrella of another word, redemption. In fact, the original New Testament Greek word here in Revelation 5.9 for bought is our word redemption. This tells us that God's in the redemption business. The theme of redemption drives everything that follows the fall of humanity in Genesis 3. So, friends, the ultimate question we must ask ourselves is, how are we bringing redemption to the people and circumstances around us? Well, let's begin with the R word and where the Ephesians text comes in that I shared earlier. Let's recall it. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The word redeem fundamentally means to buy, ransom, rescue from loss, and redeem. The phrase redeeming the time may also be translated making the most of an opportunity. 
My take here is that in context, it more than likely refers to making the most of an opportunity to redeem persons or circumstances as children of light and how we live in these present evil days and exercise wisdom, as Ephesians 5, 8 through 15 suggests. When scripture speaks of God through Christ redeeming us, it refers to God buying us back from the slave market of sin, rescuing us from loss. In other words, loss loss of original righteousness, loss of our original position or standing with God. In a sense, friends, one way we can imitate God in our lives is to work at buying back or getting back what has been lost or rescuing something from its present destructive condition. We Christians should always have our spiritual antennae up, zeroing in on opportunities to redeem a person or situation and bring it closer to God's ideal. This notion of redeeming the time or opportunities, as Paul stated, should be the underlying motivation for all we do. It should be the impetus behind all our actions as Christians toward expanding the kingdom of God. Granted, friends, we may not always be able to restore things to their perfect ideal, but we should always be seeking ways to redeem things as close to God's ideal as we can. Now let's consider the C word. Interestingly, there was a pattern the early church followed for some of the holidays we now gleefully celebrate as Christians. In December in the Roman Empire, pagan festival of Saturnalia was celebrated, yet it was redeemed and replaced by what we now call Christmas. How many people do you know celebrate Saturnalia? Yet how many people do you know that celebrate a form of Christmas around the globe? The unconquered sun, S-U-N, was replaced by the unconquered son, S-O-N, of Christmas, Jesus the Messiah. Next, enter the E-word. Similarly, the pagan spring equinox, celebration of the great mother goddess, Estre, goddess of the Saxon people in northern Europe, and symbolizing fertility and new life, was redeemed and replaced by the Christian resurrection season, still referred to many as Easter. The notion of new life associated with fertility rites was replaced with the truth of new life through the death and resurrection of Messiah Jesus. Well, friends, let's revisit this H word. In like manner and in the spirit of redemption, I propose that we Christians might become wiser in this generation than we find ourselves and creatively consider ways to redeem Halloween. In other words, let's buy it back. Let's rescue it from loss. Let's make the most of the opportunity it affords us. After all, friends, what one day every year, like clockwork, do unbelievers, sinners, willingly come right to your house? What more could you ask for? We can say with absolute certainty that every October 31st, someone will come knocking at our door or ring our doorbell. This gives us adequate time to pray, prepare, and then act. Well, let's pause here, friends. If you just tuned in, you're listening to A Word from the Word with me, your host, Pastor Tom. I value you as listeners, as A Word from the Word is listener-funded. Your financial partnership is vital to keep this program on the air, which also disciples Christians without a church home, and those of you who may have been hurt by the institutional church. Please join forces with me and A Word from the Word by emailing me for support details at 
a word from the word at minister.com. We're in challenging financial times and ministries are not immune. A word from the word is still seeking to become fully funded and monthly supporters are needed. We'll repeat this info at the end of the program. Well, friends, in today's session, I'd like to include sharing with you a practical activity my family has been doing for years. It's been our customary practice to purchase Ziploc snack or sandwich bags and stuff them with candy and either a Halloween pass-it-on card or a gospel tract. There are a variety of creatively written cards and gospel tracts appropriate for this holiday, yet supplying a non-threatening message along with the candy. You may even insert a church business card or flyer with a brief handwritten note on it. All I can say is that we get tremendous satisfaction preparing these Halloween Ziploc packets. We also pray over them, plus we keep our home well lit and keep our porch lights on brightly. I even make a handmade sign and tape it on our door that says, Trick-or-treaters, welcome here, or Halloween candy here. Maybe even the only spirit here is the Holy Spirit. You see, friends, this is just a small way to redeem this holiday and bring an element of the gospel into a family's life. Who knows, friends? Perhaps some of these people may be numbered among those mentioned in Revelation 5, as we read earlier. You know, people whom Jesus' blood purchased for God, persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. So, friends, in light of our session topic today, perhaps it's time to really rethink the Word of God. Perhaps it's time to rethink our present posture and put our spiritual antennae up and intentionally scope out opportunities as Christians to build a bridge to the sinners around us that door number one Christians just seem to want to avoid at all costs. But is this the Jesus way? To me, it seems this posture is contrary to the teaching of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11. Let's take a moment and hear him out. I wrote you, Corinthians, in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning people of this world, who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, in that case you'd have to leave the world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be fellow believers. Hmm, I wonder, friends, how many of us use this same logic with brothers and sisters in our fellowship circles who are living like this? Yet we so quickly and easily stay at arm's length from the sinners around us, don't we? The Luke 7 passage I shared at the beginning of today's session reminds me that it is possible to be in the world and yet not of it. After all, Luke records Jesus telling his disciples that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. By the way, friends, this is a perfect definition of redemption as expressed here in Luke 19.10. And Jesus modeled this by describing himself as a shepherd who would leave the 99 to search for the one who went astray, as he told his disciples in Matthew 18. So what about it, friends? Perhaps one way to answer today's session title question, so what's a Christian to do, might be to restate the question this way. How might we all redeem Halloween this year or in years to come? Perhaps it'll help to add a few additional pertinent questions. What creative ways might God's Holy Spirit inspire us to come up with if we ask him? 
How might we make a difference in one or more families' lives this coming Halloween season or future seasons? How might we respond to the sinners that come knocking at our door or ringing our bell? Well, friends, let's ponder the thoughts generated by these provocative questions today. And while there's still time, let's pray, prepare, and then act. An unknown author gave us this quote, For the Christian, this world is an arena not an armchair. Friends, earlier I said that maybe it's actually time to rethink the Word of God. Perhaps it's time to rehear some scripture portions, and while rereading them, rehearing them, and rethinking them, it might help us to consider just what these verses are really saying to us, and how might our lives in the here and now practically live these verses out, or how might we apply them in our generation? So, friends, here's some passages to ponder, and this will be like a spiritual feast, some spiritual food for us to ingest and digest. So how about we begin with Psalm 107, verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Or as a more modern language translation says, has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. How about 1 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10, which we read earlier? I wrote you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world. Then there's Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. How about Colossians 1, 13 and 14? For he, God, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Notice Paul uses both rescue and redemption here. Then there's Luke 2, 25 through 38. Friends, please read this entire portion. I'm going to share just a few segments that focus in on God's redemptive plan for both Jews and Gentiles. This is the account of Simeon, who was present when Joseph and Mary brought baby Jesus to Jerusalem to the temple to be dedicated to God. Simeon took in his arms and praised God with Jesus there. We'll pick it up at verse 29. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my arms have seen your salvation. Sorry, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Then in verse 36, we're introduced to Anna, a prophet, 84 years old, who came up to Joseph and Mary. And in verse 38, it's said of her, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child, Jesus, to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And lastly, another text we took a snippet from earlier, Revelations 5, 6 through 10. This now being the fuller portion 
John the Apostle is speaking. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He, the lamb, went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb." And each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, and here's the key section, friends, you are worthy, referring to the Lamb, to take the scroll and to open its seal, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased. Did you hear that, friends? Here's our word, purchased, meaning ransomed or redeemed. You purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, as promised, I'd like to share some resources with those of you who wish to explore this topic further. These are provided as food for thought and does not imply that I personally endorse or support every point of view presented. Naturally, you can do an internet search, but here's some hard copy options. First, a quick reference fold-out guide called Halloween, What You Need to Know by Ron Rhodes. Second, the book The Facts on Halloween by John Ankerberg, John Weldon, and Dylan Burroughs. Third, the book Halloween, What's a Christian to Do by Steve Russo. And fourth, the book Redeeming Halloween by Kim Weir and and Pam McClure. Well, friends, we're nearing the end of today's program, and as promised, we'll close with an email where you may inquire about helping fund a word from the word, which is listener-funded. I love coming alongside you without a church home, or you who've been hurt or wounded by the institutional church. Podcasts are at faithtalk1360.com. That's faithtalk1360.com. Just search the menu for local program podcasts. Podcasts are also available at Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And thanks to my friends and partners at ChristianBody.net, a word from the word is broadcast in over 70 countries. If these teachings are inspiring you to grow and study God's word more carefully, please invest in our mission. During these economically and financially challenging times, ministries are not immune. So please consider joining our support team. A word from the word is still seeking to become fully funded. We still need monthly contributors. Well, thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.